I also, uh, favorite-wise, Pluto. Fight me. It yeah. counts. I was gonna say Pluto. <laughs> yeah. OSP, the Ozpod crew, respects the sanctity of Pluto. <laughs> you bitch ass scientists get on our level. <laughs> Ohana means family. Pluto's <laughs> one of us. <laughs> it's got a heart crater, you monsters, to call it not a planet. <laughs> it's just been circling the sun, loving the universe around it, and it just you... wants to hang. Oh, how dare you? How dare you? <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. I am Blue, and I'm joined by Red. We didn't say another episode. It's a new episode this time. Yeah, I, I said it, and I'm like, that's not right. This isn't we'll correct. We'll keep going. <laughs> what timeline are we in? Uh, oh, 2024, that... the worst timeline. All right, we can correct for this. The thing I'm drinking this week. <laughs> um, <laughs> bring uh, us back, bring us back. I, uh, I made another uh, mocha, but this time I put raspberry syrup in it. Uh, and the end result mm. is that it is about three times as sugary oh. <laughs> like, like through a, a comedic series of events this is the richest drink i've had in like three months because among other things i also have whole milk instead of my standard two percent so uh. it's it's really strong stuff is it <laughs> like meaningfully more raspberry-y or is it just sweeter? Oh, no, no, no. It's meaningfully raspberry -y. Raspberry syrup is pretty simple to make. Okay. Uh, let me just real quick. Yep, you can taste the raspberry. It's okay. real nice. Um, it's like, just, you know. Sometimes I've had like blueberry syrup and it's like, this doesn't taste like blueberry. This just somehow tastes sweeter than maple syrup. Well, I'd say that blueberry is a pretty mellow flavor when you boil it down, uh, whereas raspberry's got that like tangy acidity that really comes through and plays yeah. off of coffee pretty well. It's got that raz. It's got that raz, yeah. <laughs> God, I hate riz so much. It's I feel bad. like it was nowhere and then the next day it was everywhere and everyone was like, we've been using riz for ages. Where have you been? Anyway. Yeah. Um, Jeez. Okay. Where have we been? Ohio. I don't know the memes. <laughs> Uh, all right. Anyway, we've we've had a, an interesting little, little start to the year. Instead of our uh, usual weekly uploads, we took two weeks off to give ourselves a little bit of a break time, uh, mm -hmm. retroactively allowing us to not work through Christmas uh, because of the way that our production schedules work. So that was nice. Yeah. Uh, thank you all for being patient as we get back to, to making regular videos. But instead, we had some live streams mm -hmm. uh, that we can talk about for a sec here before getting into the other video that was on the channel. We played through Spider-Man. We did. Which Marvel was Sony's fun. PS5 Spider-Man 2.1 featuring Miles Morales. Knuckles and the Chaotix team. It was great. Yeah, what's with the what's 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 with the featuring Knuckles joke? You made this in the Patreon post. We for, for context, we we put all of the um the the wonderful thumbnail art that Red did for all of the oh, Zelda nice. streams in Spider Man. And on the post, you were like Spider Man featuring Miles Morales and Knuckles. I'm like, where are you getting this from? Well, it's because it was like like Sonic and then Sonic and Tails, and Sonic and Knuckles. Like it became like the it was like the oh, okay. third of the the side scrollers or something like that. Uh, and then they like retroactively added him into a previous game too, because that was the thing you could do back Got in it. the day when it was cartridges. Uh, so I simply think it's funny to add more things to the title of that game every time we say it. Uh, I like how you were like, why Knuckles and not why Knuckles and Team Chaotix? <laughs> I completely did not even process that. I can accept the the crocodile, the uh, uh, chameleon guy, and the bee, but Knuckles. What's the he worst doing part here? is that that actually isn't too off base because Spider Man. Two does have a giant oh. lizard, a chameleon guy, and bees. <laughs> well, shit. I guess it really was featuring Team Chaotix the whole time. Yeah. Wow. But it, it was fun. Uh, three streams, one of them with our buddy Jacques Whipper. Oh, that um, was so fun. <laughs> it, was, it was a really fun time. Of course, we got our best bit ever, which is the Craven cast. Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> and our second to next best bit, which is making three aces play Smasher Pass. Yeah. <laughs> Truly yeah, <and> never misses. <laughs> Uh, th that was a, that was a fun little series of, of streams. Um, I uh, am rarely able to 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 be in charge of a stream and like playing the game for that long, but it was really fun. It, it's yeah. a good game. Um, yeah. Unfort uh, no, sorry, go ahead. Well, I I mean, yeah, we we had a very fun time playing through it. I didn't want to like call it out if you weren't gonna bring it up, but it sounds like you're about to bring up that after you finished the game, <laughs> you were convinced by an influencer that perhaps maybe the game is not actually 100% as good as you thought it was. Yeah, and we were kind of <laughs> touching on this as we played the game, like, oh, yeah. there's some there's some stuff that was told, not so much shown, and it's mm -hmm. like, okay, okay. They, they paced know, things out a little weirdly. The they, pacing was a little, a little swift. 
Um, pacing was a bit tailory. Um, <laughs> but I, I watched a video by a YouTube channel that I very much uh, enjoy called White Light, who does a whole bunch of like video game analysis videos, like two hours talking about you know why Mirror's Edge is a masterpiece. Oh, I was um, wondering why you were playing Mirror's Edge too. <laughs> That one was Damn, just dude. for my own edification. Uh, you are I was getting like, influenced I, this week. No, because I was playing Mirror's Edge because I got a PS3 uh, for Christmas last year because I wanted to play a bunch of old games that I played in my youth. And I'm like, I want to see how they hold up. So I was playing War Mirror's Hawk. Edge again, War which Hawk. is amazing. It's one of my top five games ever made. It's a masterpiece. And I was like, I want to see what White Light thinks about this because I'd seen the video before, but it was years ago. So anyway, mm. it's a guy who makes videos that I really like. And he made a video about Spider-Man 2 that came out over the weekend. And I was like... Ooh, let's see where this goes. And he, I open it up and he's like, yeah, Spider-Man 2 is kind of a conflicting experience for me. I'm like, all right, Blue, dive in. Uh, no fear. And by the end, I'm like, oh, no, Red, bad news. Internet yep. man convinced me that the game is actually a little bit weak. <laughs> I mean, when we got to, I want to say, the second or third round, uh, I think it might have been the third time, the, the third of three streams, I yeah. was kind of like, you know, maybe the gameplay is really, like, fun to do. But, like, if we're treating this like a movie or a show or something, the, the pacing is, is not, not great. And, like, I, I didn't want to just rip into this thing, you know, because, like, the game does look great. There's a lot to really like about it. But, but I, I, think, I think, like, in stream one even, I, I was kind of hitting on a, a thing that bothers me about the game, which is that they really kind of took the Batman Arkham formula of, like, you are a lone superhero and you're fighting squads of mooks. And then they applied that to Spider-Man, who normally does most of his fights as one-on-one -on -one tactical boss fights against extremely strong opponents or mm -hmm. people with weird powers that it's hard for him to handle. So it, it really changes the feel to just have Spider-Man, like, standing on the ground, punching people. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it means that every bad guy has to get the Dark Knight Rises Bane treatment of suddenly running a little mini-militia of color-coordinated goons, yeah. which is much more Batman-appropriate than it is Spider-Man-appropriate, where it's like, maybe if he's dealing with, like, Tombstone or Kingpin, those guys will have goons for him to knock around, but mostly it'll be one weirdo in a power suit. Um... And it just kind of changes the vibe. It, it means that the fights get very kind of, uh, I don't want to say formulaic, but it's the only word that's really coming to mind. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because it really is like Spider-Man gets dropped in a situation. Either he has to do a base infiltration that will eventually turn into Spider-Man beats up on like 20 goons, or he just gets dropped on a rooftop with 20 goons and he has to fight 20 goons. Um, which is why some of the stuff I really liked about the first game was all the weirdnesses of dealing with the Sinister Six when it was just, yeah. the, like, the highlight of that game is basically when Spidey gets his ass kicked by the Sinister Six for the first time, and it's just like, they're using teamwork against me! Oh, yeah. no! That's unfair. <laughs> yeah! Um, but it just, it has this 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 tone, you know? They, they took a formulaic thing that worked from the Arkham games of, you know, the, the way you drop a player in a room full of bad guys and let them fight in a way that makes the player feel powerful, which is a hard problem to solve. Like, it's cool that they solved it. But they did it with Sp Spider-Man, who's a little bit, like, he has super strength, but normally it's easy to forget that until you get to, you know, canon event 372, Spider-Man lifts the heavy thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I watched Across the Spider-Verse again over the weekend, and it's nice, still nice, so nice. good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I thought it was very funny. Like, we had a great time with the game. It was fun. Uh, but... Yeah, there's yeah. problems with it. That's Afterwards, okay. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. And I, I'm willing to give this game a pass on a lot of things because the, I, I, I realize something about the way that I consume stories, which is I'm willing to forgive a lot of, like, iffiness on how the story manages to tie some bits together if individual mm -hmm. moments can really shine. So it's like they have a lot of moments that are not supported enough outside the moment itself like my favorite part of the game when when peter is asleep and he's going on his whole like symbiote screaming rampage and mj mm -hmm. run and all that it is brought up ambiguously in a later scene and then never again i'm pretty sure peter finishes the game not actually knowing that he almost killed mj in a sleepy rage the fact it's that like... she didn't even bring it up when <laughs> yeah. she's symbioted and like airing all of her grievances she's not even yeah. like you lost control and nearly killed me and he's like oh no that's really upsetting but i mean like you're i mean like right this minute like that's what's <laughs> happening here too also like i'm just i don't want to like i know like you know maybe this is turnabout maybe that's okay actually <laughs> but like like it just never comes up um and that's the thing like i I also, I'm a big fan of, like, 
you know, engaging with stories that I've been told aren't good and then kind of going through it and being like, okay, yeah, like what parts of this work and what parts of it don't. And more often than not, like a story that overall doesn't hit right is a story that's made up of pieces that hit really well that aren't given enough time to breathe or enough context to really, you know, punch. Um, so like this game, there's, there's a highlight reel in there that would be incredibly good. But it doesn't really have the the slow build up or the slow come down. And yeah. we were talking about this in the third stream that like it kind of feels like you get these little brief bursts where a lot is happening. And then it's the same like swing through the city, fight, you know, five to six uh, interchangeable MOOC fights uh, and then uh, get back to the cutscene trigger that starts the next chunk of plot. Uh, and the end result is that. As far as Spider-Man stories go, this is not the most effective execution of the black suit arc because we kind of just see Pete speed run his enshittening arc and then yeah. we get we get the obligatory, and again, a canon event, we get him doing the fighting in his sleep thing, which is pretty cool. We don't get to play as him fighting in his sleep, which makes sense. That's actually good, like ludonarrative assonance. Um, but then it's kind of like MJ like runs out of there and it's like a... 10 second scene and then it cuts away and Pete wakes up on a bench and is like, boy, I feel great. Wonder what <laughs> happened last night. And he never finds out. He's <laughs> like, out. why? Yeah. Why would you do this? Yeah. Um, so uh, in the end, uh, Spectacular Spider-Man retains its crown for best symbiote arc and original mm. 1996 Venom maintains his crown for scariest Venom. Yeah. Um, I've got to, I'm going to sit down and watch that one of these really days. You really should. It's yeah. really that good. I've been rewatching Justice League, but uh, I'll, I'll pivot to this when I'm done with that. Yeah, it's on Disney+. Plus. Ah, um, sweet. But yeah, so I, I did have fun. It was a really great stream. Um, and I, I like, oh no, I've been influenced. The internet <laughs> man told me thing was bad, actually. Um, no, there's a lot I still like about it. It's still a really fun game. I'm excited to see what else they do with it. I'm, I'm looking mm -hmm. forward to uh, hopefully them having another more Miles Morales-y kind of game in the future where they're able to take it a little slower, spend yeah. a little less money on the big cutscene, spend a little more money on having more missions and giving the story a little more time to breathe. So so yeah, overall, it was fun. Nice nice way to spend a January, not busting our butts to, to get videos out on all four weeks. But uh, we did have videos coming out, or rather I had one <laughs> and then you have one next week. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> we, we've timed this a little bit awkwardly. We're offset just enough. So this pod is kind of the all blue show. The blue show. Last <laughs> year for the first uh, of the year when we did this, it was essentially the all red show. Yep, um, turn so about now fair I play. my day in the sun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, we had the uh, another dumb Italy story, which was originally going to be three more dumb Italy stories, and then the linguistics one kind of ate the rest of the script <laughs> volume. And that's fine. I'm not mad. Uh, people seem to really like it. <laughs> I, this, is, this is a little note, but like whenever we're scripting, it's always really promising when we're like, I found something yeah. and I can't look away from it now. <laughs> like yeah. like all of the the scripts that we write cuz we literally can't put it down are usually the ones that are the most fun, the least hinged. They're just really a good time. Yeah. And as soon as you were like I've I found something. Yeah. And I it's it's doing strange things to me. And I'm like, yeah, here it is. Yeah. <laughs> here we go. We're kicking off the year with a good start. Yeah, this is probably the most H-Bomber guy-esque video that I'll ever end up making. Ah, <laughs> uh, the old, Maybe I didn't plan this. It. This happened to me and yeah. I'm not happy about it. <laughs> I'm the victim here. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was it was really, really fun to do. And everyone, it seems to enjoy it. I had a lot of fun, like really hamming up the jokes mm -hmm. uh, in, in this one. Uh, a, a couple uh, threads um, came out of the, the comments that I wanted to. Uh, touch on one was um, some ambiguity about the way that I phrased some stuff uh, I am not implying that the other romance languages don't exist anymore there might have been some ambiguity in my script hold on um, like <laughs> excuse me yeah, because some people were like, what do you mean Blue Catalan still exists? I'm like, when did I say it doesn't? And I guess you can hear it in such a way and think that I'm saying that you know these these other romance languages outside of the big five no longer exist but like no they they still super do they are no longer dominant because the national languages took shape but like like catalan still exists i'm not trying to pretend that catalan and and things don't exist anymore so uh, i want to make that abundantly read. clear um <laughs> like, yeah the the politics of modern languages are are very interesting in their own way um mm -hmm. so there's like you know the italian languages are like oh these are our local things it's a uh an element of of our culture from when we were an independent city or you know whatever an independent state yada yada um and we we still speak it great hooray and there's some places like ah yes our choice to speak this language is an expression of 
our own like independent nationality. So like with Catalonian independence movements in mm -hmm. the you know last handful of years uh, and the Catalan language, like they're very, very tied together. It's a very um, complex issue. And I didn't want to insinuate that some of those languages don't exist anymore because they fully do. I just wasn't going to get into it. <laughs> just watching the, the shadows of discourse beasts passing under the ice as I'm minding my business up here. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the other one was that uh, a handful of, of a very kind um, commenters from, from Italy and from Venice in particular pointed out that my pronunciation of uh, Venisa is uh, incorrect and it's actually much closer to Venezia, um, mm. which is similar to Venezia, but still not the same, still still different. And I, I figured like, how the hell did I, and I went back and it's because I can't read the IPA language phonetic charts for shit. Let's be real, um, nobody and, can fucking read those things. No one can fucking read them. I, I Because the problem is, understands the lengths that I went to to try to research this video. One, there are there are no English language resources about the Venetian language that go into any appreciable detail. When I was trying to figure out how to pronounce Venezia in, in Venetian, the only resource that I could get an IPA chart for was the Venetian language Wikipedia page on Venice. <laughs> and the only place where there was a Venetian language API chart IPA? was written in Venetian. So I had to <laughs> translate Venetian, which does not exist in Google Translate, so I was fully fucking winging it, Thanks, into Google. my own best attempt of what the hell all these symbols mean. So there's one that is a lengthening symbol where it's like, okay, so you take this E sound and you lengthen it. Mm -hmm. I misinterpreted that as doubling it. Obviously not correct, but what can you do? There was another symbol that's basically, a, it's a J, but it's an I. I misread it as the little, like, old medieval tall swooshy S, and I'm like, oh, oh yeah, that's things. an S. So I misinterpreted it as a double S. Um, so I fucked it up. I think the point still stands <laughs> that, like, the exonyms are not endonyms, and it's not the same. Standard Italian is not the final arbiter of what things are called, and honestly, exonyms are okay, and, like, localization is, is fine as long as we know what we're talking about. <laughs> but... I feel pretty stupid having fucked it up that badly, but also like, what on earth was I supposed to do? I guess the answer is just ask next time. Like, yeah, hey, ask Venetian an Italian, speaker. maybe. Yeah, ask an Italian. But um, I didn't want to like, I didn't want to spoil the video, so I figured yeah. I need to. So next time I know, next time I have a question, I'll just try to find a Venetian and ask. Um, I don't know any, but now I do, so I'll I'll yeah. figure it out. So anyway, that was my my embarrassing uh, pronunciation mistake. It doesn't break the video, but it's um. I think it's emblematic of the kinds of problems that exist in trying to research this space if you are an outsider is that it is fundamentally inaccessible. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like a really interesting connection between like you were talking about this before with like language and culture and like adhere, you know, uh, cultural heritage through embracing a language and, you know, uh, being taught a language versus, you know, being raised in it and stuff like that. And uh I, I feel so bad for you because I get roasted <laughs> for my shit-ass pronunciations, and I do what I can, but I speak two and a half languages, and that two is made of, like, two halves of different languages. Yeah. Um, so, like, one and three <laughs> I, halves languages. Uh, so when yeah, I look up with, something... Yeah, uh, that's with, with French and Greek. They're each a half, so I call myself, yeah. like, passively trilingual. <laughs> but then, you know, I, I, I look it up, and I'll be like, okay, there's a ridiculous name here. I, I want to know how to pronounce it. Let me see what I can find. And I find the most inaccessible wall of text and IPA symbols that I can't parse and, like recordings from people that all disagree with each other and I'm like I'll pick one and I'll do my best and I still get yelled at but I'm also yeah. coming at this from a much like more shallow place where it's like I I I do my best but you know I I know one language and I have been bad at learning any others and you did everything right and it <laughs> still kind of fucked you over <laughs> cuz we'll I... do all this work and then someone is like I was raised in the exact context of this thing that you've been painstakingly researching for weeks, and I know immediately that you're incorrect. And it's like, cool, thank you so much for being so polite about it. <laughs> yeah. At first I was like, I, I thought it was another case of like the, the Fovera syndrome, where it's like mm. there are 18 possible ways to pronounce this in 18 different spots on the map where people pronounce it those different ways and they all disagree with each other. Yeah. But like with the volume of comments that eventually came in, there were a lot of comments on this video, more than a video mm. with that number of views would usually get, because I guess people were were enthused. But nice. there were a, a handful, probably like a dozen or so by the end of the day, comments from 
either Italians or Venetians saying, hey, I happen to know this. I'm I'm from such and such place in Italy and we pronounce it like this. And I'm like, oh, okay, no, like it, there's, there's no regional ambiguity here. There are regional differences in all of the dialects, but like this person is from Venice itself. This person is from further inland where they speak the Venetian dialect and these are lining up pretty much identically. Mm-hmm. Okay. I am the asshole here. Uh, it, it is not just a case of like, oh, there are regional differences. Like, yes, but that doesn't explain it in this case. I just fucked up. I mean, you uh, know it was what after they that, say. I'm like, wait a minute. Let me go back and try to puzzle this out. So late on Friday night, I'm like, how the fuck did I? Oh, yeah. Um, so it is tricky. Language is tough and yeah. it is not uniform. <laughs> I mean... You know, they say the easiest way to get something right is to be wrong on the internet, and then if someone will emerge from the woodwork to correct you within an hour. Yeah, yeah. So oh, boy. This was, this was a really fun video to make. I, I hope I have excuses to do others like it in the future. I think um, if you wanted to do more linguistic history videos, I, for one, would be fascinated. Because, like, yeah. I again, my, my brain just does not absorb language in any meaningful way. So I, I'm a little bit stuck in the monolingual zone. Like, I can dabble. Yeah but I always must come home in the end. Uh, and I, I think like, cause I remember how you initially told me about this video and it was your thesis that you ended up disproving, yeah. which was like, it's France's fault. I can smell it on those pronunciations <laughs> of the vowel sounds. And I was like, it's the, what do you, what? <laughs> You're just kind of yeah. like, well, if you take Italian words, but you pronounce them the French way, it flattens out all that delicious Italianness that makes it what it is. And I was like, huh. Huh, yeah, I guess that sounds correct. And again, we've talked about how, like, that sounds like it could be right is, like, the most dangerous Dangerous, impulse in any sort of academic context. But I was like, this is interesting to see. And then, like, when you sent me the script to read, I was like, so wait, is it not Francis' fault? And you were like, oh, yeah, 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 it's not actually Francis' fault. I was wrong about that. I was like, oh, maybe you should say that. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) the the original draft of the script that I sent to Red was much more like even keeled um and <laughs> a I little was, bit like, more hinged as a, it were yeah a l- little more hinged um and because i was i was not presenting the research process as it happened mm. i was presenting the research process essentially in its finished state right. which ended up being a lot more confusing weirdly because i was mm-hmm. like saying things and then disproving them but not like specifically going back so red you were like i think I, I'm missing something here. Yeah. Where's the part where it's not Francis' fault? I'm like, oh, God, yeah. I need to set that up. So I went back and, and delivered a, a more uh, accurate representation of the process of research as opposed mm-hmm. to my original draft, which was like the final Zen state that I arrived in. So <laughs> I und- um, I've forgiven France for this transgression. Yeah, for this one. And I like, I'm one of those sickos who actually likes Paris. Um, <laughs> I know that's not a universal opinion. Um, that's a pretty rare opinion. I, yeah, I, I felt I felt bad for the amount of people in the comments like, no, you should blame France. I'm like, France gets so much shit that they don't deserve compared to anyone else in Europe. Mm. Like, we we crap on them a lot. And yeah, they deserve some of it. It's France, come on. Yeah, but like, yeah. <laughs> there's so much stuff that they do so much better than the rest of yeah. us. It's like, look, France has done enough wrong things that we can just hold them accountable for real things rather than making up new stuff to get yeah. mad at them about. It's like, oh, those French, they're always rioting. Yeah, and they have like social services and yeah. we fucking don't. <laughs> We're amateurs. They know what they're doing. They light uh, shit on fire and then they get benefits. <laughs> yeah, the government France, is afraid of them as all governments should be. <laughs> France has given their government ample reason to be afraid of them over the years. So I, I think they're allowed that one. <laughs> And it's like, imagine, you know, being a government uh, in France and like trying to honor the legacy of the revolution, republicanism. It's like, yeah, and we guillotined all those royals and we're not going to do it again. Right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> That's a history thing. Yeah, cool. It belongs in the past. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. yeah, fun video. I, for one, think you should do more linguistics videos. I'm very interested in it. It's, it's one of those things where I think you don't realize how much you know about it. So you're like, well, ev- obviously everybody knows the complex family line of the Romance languages and how they all boil down to the modern amalgam of English. And it's like, no, no, I don't know that shit. Excellent. I barely know how real English works. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah, like everyone forgets Romanian. Wait, Romanian existed in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. See, that's uh, the... everyone knows the big five national romance languages. Um, blue. Yeah. I I know only a handful of people who truly embody that XKCD comic about like, well, obviously, you know, we can't expect a, a random person on the street to know the formula for more than three kinds of courts. <laughs> so, yeah, and Feldspar, of course. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but 
Such is life. Um, we, we we live, we learn, uh, we cry at etymologies, um, and we move on. Uh, mm-hmm. Next uh, episode uh, of the OS podcast will be a special Valentine's Day episode with Cyan as a guest, another yeah. in our yearly tradition of the... Uh, the uh, all aces uh, and indigo rounds table. Um, so look forward to that. If you have any questions you want to ask for for indigo or the ace gang, not, not indigo or the ace gang. Sorry for cyan or the ace gang. For the one representative representative of what? What is the opposite of aces? Allo, 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 yeah. Allo sexuals of the world, and then also three aces. I mean, yeah. someone's got to remind us that you know people who aren't us exist <laughs> it's real easy for me to just be like oh yeah sexual attraction that's that thing they made up to make telenovelas more interesting right and then i'm like no wait real people sometimes actually really feel this crazy it's a scam to sell more soap operas so anyway if you have questions uh related to, to what we were just talking about uh feel free to put those in the ask os pod chat on discord um otherwise uh we can hop on over to the q a portion of the podcast sorry there's a the thing you said about like a scam by big whatever to i it just reminded me of my favorite one of those, which is uh, shrinkflation is a scam by big small to sell more or less. Um, I ha- it's not it's barely related, but I couldn't resist. All right, let's move on to the Q and A. Hello and welcome to the Q&A portion of the podcast where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. But before we get to those, it's time for a lightning round. It's our one uh, consistently recurring bit. Ba-da-da-da-da-da. You also introed it weird. It was a Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. It's Did I say the whole thing? You just said podcast, not Overly Sarcastic Podcast. I'm My world is crumbling up. around me. Uh-oh. I'm getting fun and funky with it. Anyway, oh. we're going to talk about some... Uh, we're not going to talk about anything, actually. We're going to be very quick about this and lightning-like oh, sure. uh, yeah. as we go through a list of you, user-submitted... Oh, God, I can't talk today. I've been losing my voice for like a week straight. Uh, we're going to go through a list of user-submitted pieces of media, books, movies, video games, animes, authors, etc. Whatever you've been dropping in Ask OS Pod. Um, and we are going to uh, say whether or not we've seen it, read it, heard it, watched it, whatever. And uh, very briefly, very quickly, Speed is the name of the game. That's the longest lightning round intro we've ever had. (laughs) (laughs) So why don't we kick this off? We've got uh, Demon Slayer Mugen Train, which I think is the movie, but don't quote me. uh, I haven't seen any of it. uh, It's an adaptation of an arc in the manga, which I have read all of, so I know what happens in it, but I haven't watched it. I watched the first season of the anime, and then I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be deep in my anime phase for much longer. And that was like two <laughs> years ago, so we're good. Probably not then, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Blart Books. No, but no. it's very funny. It's like a novelization of the Paul Blart Mall Cop movies. The Blart Can Story. Dream. Uh, Van Helsing, the movie. There's ha! a whole movie struck yes. episode on this, and it's no. kind of fun. I highly I've recommend it. watching it. It's fun. We did it's this a fun for movie. A, we did this for a bad movie night with friends, like back in high school, and I watched it independently at some point. It stars Hugh Jackman, but he really the doesn't look worst like Hugh Jackman. Wig in all of Hugh yeah. Jackman's career. Initially, it's so I, bad. <laughs> it's so bad. I initially thought it was an off-brand Hugh Jackman, and then uh, like after like ten minutes, I was like, no, that's the real Hugh Jackman. What is he yeah. doing in this movie? That was one of the first like ten episodes of Movie Struck. So if you really scroll mm. back, you. Can get full thoughts on that but this is a lightning round so we're gonna move on quick as lightning uh the crown the tv show nah no my grandmother really liked it um wing feather saga by andrew peterson nope wizard 101 oh my god (laughs) no i was not a wizard 101 kid but i do remember the commercials vividly Mm-hmm. Cyan and her sisters, or maybe just Cyan's sisters, um, logged back into Wizard 101 like a year or two ago just to play it for fun. I'm like, what year do you think this is? <laughs> <laughs> It'll never die. Uh, Gorillas, the band. I know I about mean, everyone them. knows Feel Good Inc. Yeah, I've but... heard Feel yeah, Good Inc. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, <laughs> I haven't delved deeper than that, really. Um, yeah, Feldspars, of course. <laughs> Gideon the Ninth. Oh, yes. Everyone yeah. should read the Locked Tomb trilogy of four books. The fourth one's coming out sometime soon, I hope. Um, it's really weird. And uh, you might need spoilers to enjoy the sequel, Harrow the Ninth, because I did. Because uh, the first 80% of the book just gaslights you about the events of the previous book. And if you don't know what's coming, you might just be like, what the fuck, and put it down. <laughs> cool. Uh, assassination Classroom. Oh, yeah. No. It's fine. I remember seeing it in the space, but I don't know that I ever read it. 
It had like a really iconic monster design for one of the main characters, and that was kind of the most interesting thing about it. Uh, Night at the Museum, the movie. Yeah. No. I, I watched like it. Little Cowboy in, in the Roman. Yeah. I should watch it at some point. Yeah. As a youth in the 2010s. <laughs> That's one of the early Rami Malik roles, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's pretty early yeah. in his career. Uh, Howl's Moving Castle, the anime and movie. Oh yeah. 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 It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Not my Christian favorite Miyazaki, Mel. but it's good. I haven't read the book it's based on. I've heard, I think I've heard that the book is a little bit more fun. I've heard the book is very different from the movie. Um, Yeah. I've heard it framed that like the the movie would be from Howell's perspective and the book is from Sophie's perspective Mm. and she's a lot more like grounded (laughs) than he is. But fun all around. Who's the cast of Howell's Moving Castle? Christian Bale is in it. Christian Bale is. Christian Bale, that's right. Wow. Anyway. (laughs) One of the Batman of the Ghibli voiceover roles uh, along with Michael Keaton and Robert Pattinson. (laughs) (laughs) They're collecting them. Your mother. Anyway, uh, Templin Institute. Nope. No. Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy. I have seen all of those. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, um, I don't think so. Hot Fuzz. Oh, I've seen I liked Shaun of the Dead. I don't like the ending of Shaun of the Dead very much at all. Um, I like the first, like, two-thirds of it. I End of the World, I didn't I didn't vibe with it. Mm. Was not yeah. was not it for me. It's I've probably my least of, favorite uh, of the no. I haven't seen Shaun of the Dead. I saw Hot Fuzz a while yeah. back. I'm Hot not Fuzz sure I is, got it, but it was pretty funny. Hot Fuzz is, like, possibly, it's not my favorite movie, but I think it is, like, a perfect film. Huh. Like, there is nothing hot, yeah. that would improve it for what it is trying to go for. Oh, Again, see, see the movie struck on Hot Fuzz uh, with our buddy Dominic <laughs> Noble for even more of my thoughts on it. But I think Hot Fuzz is the closest to be having, like, the most mass market appeal of the three. Yeah. And Shaun of the Dead's, like, my personal favorite because I think it messes with its genre more. But Hot Fuzz is really fantastically made. And it, it, yeah. it's a great example of, like, what Edgar Wright's early career, like, came to as a pinnacle. Cool. Um, everything, everywhere, all at once. Yes, yes, fantastic movie. Really Please go watch it if you good. haven't already. Oh my we god, it's so it. good. Oh, Blue. <laughs> Blue, it's so good. It's like it's not it's even good, funny though. how good it is. And then it's funny too. It's oh, it's I was like putting it off cuz I was like will this give me an existential crisis? And then when I watched it I was like only a little one. This is great. Oh, oh, maybe my favorite movie that's been made in the last like Michelle Yeoh truly Michelle Yeoh can do no wrong. Yeah, um, yeah. Like I already knew that, but it's kind of cool seeing her in a non-typecast role. Hop off, queen. Uh, Dungeons and Daddies, a D and D actual play. Oh no, I've heard it mentioned. I think yeah. like the name is. Familiar. I've listened to an episode or two. It's cool. I don't listen to a lot of D and D actual plays anymore because we play on one, and yeah, I yeah. physically cannot <laughs> cram any more Dungeons and Dragons into my brain if I tried. But yep. it, I liked what I heard. Mm-hmm. A monster in Paris. Nope. Mm-mm. <laughs> What? What easy joke do you got? It's just it's just a French joke. It's really there's nothing deeper to it than that. Blue yeah, talks Napoleon. About- <laughs> uh, zero punctuation. Oh, hell of yeah! Long uh, zero punctuation is dead. Long live fully ramblematic. Yeah, I was I was in the fucking trenches back at the, the zero punctuation. I was into before I started the channel. I yeah. I still drop the every zero punctuation with no punctuation compilations in the background when I need four hours of work done. Yeah, uh, and yes, yeah, so go watch fully ramblematic. It's just like zero punctuation, but the graphics are better and uh, yeah. it's just color coordinated. Fully Remblematic is just a flat upgrade in every level on Zero Punctuation. The art, mm-hmm. the editing is just, it's so much nicer all around. I, I really like Fully Remblematic and everything they're doing on the second wind channel. Yeah, and Yahtzee can swear again, so that's Yes, fun. he can swear again. Oh, it's it's great. Uh, Tandem Legends, a, Zel- a Legend of Zelda podcast. No. no mm-hmm. But that sounds kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, Six of Crows. Oh, uh... Not exactly, because it's a book. That's like the book that they based Shadow and Bone the series Uh. on. Uh, I did watch like a season and a half of Shadow and Bone and I liked it. But it was one of those things where like I heard it got canceled and I was Mm. like, I kind of no longer have motivation to. (laughs) Also like the, so the thing about like Shadow and Bone is about like a different cast of characters than Six of Crows. And the Six of Crows crew is like this ragtag crew of like, ragamuffin heisters and they're much more interesting than like the chosen one love triangle thing going on in the rest of shadow and bones so the first half of like season two of shadow and bone is just about those guys and they were like now back to the love triangle and i was like all right cool I'm, i think i'm yeah. thinking maybe i'll do something else um uh transistor i think the video game and not yeah, the, the software game. that we used was, to upload the podcast it's, it's by super giant it was i think their last game before hades huh, huh the protagonist's name in that game is red very huh. fun yeah. Weird how often that happens. 
I feel like it's not that it happens so often and more just I am a case study and why you should be careful about using a color as a name for every single video game character you play where you can name <laughs> your, your avatar. Uh, Jacksepticeye. Yeah, I sometimes. I mean, in, in like middle school and high school, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think there was, I went through like a phase where I was pretty consistently watching his stuff, but I sort of fell off it. Nothing happened. I still think he's quite funny. It's just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Popcross Studios. I don't know what that is. That sounds familiar. Uh, Miracle um, of Sound. Mm. Oh yeah, Miracle of Sound is great. Yeah, great. yeah, fantastic, think, uh, fantastic musician. A lot of Did, really great original compositions. Uh, of course, the the big one is Valhalla Calling, which he joked is essentially his day job now. Um, but also a bunch of other really good ones over time. The Legend of Kukulin is fantastic. Yeah. That's the first one that that Red showed me. Um, but there's also Ode to Fury for God of War. Fox. That I, one's really good. I used Valhalla Calling as the ending song uh, for, I think, the Nine Realms. Nine Realms. Um, and he commented. He did? It was very nice. Yeah. Oh, shit. You, liked it. you, you hearted the comment. <laughs> I, a lot of things happen in my life, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's nice that my memory doesn't work because then I can be pleasantly surprised by the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, fantastic um, singer, fantastic songwriter. Really yeah. great. But we got time for one last one here. This is the final part of the lightning round. Kid Cosmic. Uh, I think this was I, a cartoon on Netflix for a while. I'm not sure. It if sounds it's a, familiar, but 2021 yeah. Netflix animation. Huh. Uh, this seems like it belonged on Cartoon Network in the late 2000s. It's safe to it's say I don't think exact... any of us have seen it. Is the no. the lightning round of it all? Um, that concludes the lightning round. Woo. We're moving mm -hmm. right back into our regularly scheduled Q and A portion. Was a good smattering of lightning rounds. We actually, yeah. we, and I mean, I actually knew what I was talking about for most of those. <laughs> for once, we pandered to blue. Uh, yeah, but we got questions coming in. These ones were also submitted by you guys, our lovely, lovely listeners. And this first one comes from one of our lovely, lovely patrons. If you'd like to become a patron to support the podcast, support the channel, you may very well have your question read first on a future episode, or if it happens to be a lightning round episode, immediately following the lightning round. Don't read into that. Uh, <laughs> this question comes from Mordred to all. What's your favorite detailed diatribe you've done so far? I personally liked the Christmas movie showdown you guys did a few years ago. So what is your favorite all-time detailed diatribe? That's a fun one. Christmas mm. movies was was fun. I, I like gonna... that we got to kind of mix up the, the formula on that one a bit. Yeah. I will say um, Christmas movies is my favorite because it's the only one that I've been on. And therefore, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow myself to have personal bias and say yeah. I got to be on that one. And so it's my favorite detailed <laughs> diatribe. And now we can get back to the people who actually make them. Yeah. Um, we had a lot of really good ones last year. We talked about this in the, the year-end uh, wrap-up uh, New Year's Eve podcast about mm -hmm. how great of a year for the Detailed Diatribes this was. Because um, we had like like six or seven total, um, which was really good coverage. I Honestly, I think the one I did about the Dragon Ball Z prophecy yeah. of the Super Saiyan, that might have been like my first one. Um, no, 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 no. Your first one was, um, was She-Ra. Uh, oh, and then you did satirizing it? Superman, um, or you, we. Oh, um, yeah. But uh, we also uh, had um, DBZ was the first one from last year. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I really like that one because I remember that was one of the ones where the first half of it was like a conversation we'd had in real life. Yeah. Where I was like, I've been rewatching it and I can't believe how good this buildup is. And you're like, damn, really? Because like, I. I don't know. I, I've talked about this a few times. I think there are a lot of stories where, like, the quality of the execution kind of gets in the way of seeing the quality of the writing underneath it. And, like, early anime dubs are really bad about this just because yeah. it was the Wild West. Nobody knew what they were doing. Uh, and, like, er the early dub of Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z is funny because it's it, it sounds like a cartoon. It's hard to take Frieza seriously um, and, and stuff like that. But, like, when they did Kai and they redubbed it... Uh, and they were like, we're going to do like a, like a low, sinister, jovial kind of like, you know, aristocratic villain vibe for him. And I was like, cool, he's fucking terrifying now. This is great. Um, and that's sort of, the, the thing is, I've been kind of in camp, like the manga is better almost all the time in a lot of cases, because like you can read through it. And uh, oftentimes the writing is just really good. If you read through the Dragon Ball manga, the writing is really good. Most of the time. Uh, and then, you know, you watch the anime and you're like, I don't know, this is kind of silly. And then, but the, but the writing is still there and yeah. peeling back the layers of the story and seeing how good the writing is. And like Super Saiyan, it's not even like a twist at this point. Like everybody knows 
in the same way, like, everyone knows Goku's a Saiyan. Everybody knows that he's a Super Saiyan. Like, the most iconic images that people have from that show are the various different power-ups and transformations. So it's kind of weird to go back and be like, what was this like before this became the world's most spoiled anime twist? Um, and I, I don't know. I, I think I had such a good time with that one. Because, like, I like taking something that's that's, like, so oversaturated that people don't even really see it anymore and like digging back into it and being like no but like this is good actually like that there's a reason that this was absolutely everywhere so yeah i think i think that one works for me yeah no that's very fair mm-hmm. um I'm, I'm looking through the playlist and there are a lot of really good ones i was actually wrong um the uh dbz was the beginning of the year before last it was early 2022 mm-hmm. that's my bad i've been trying um, to find that miracle of sound comment and i can't i think maybe he just saw it on twitter <laughs> I, I could have sworn oh. it was in the video. Um, oh, well. Uh, uh, but I we've had a lot of really good ones last year. Um, mm-hmm. The Stray Gods one was a real treat yeah. because of just, like, the circumstances surrounding its creation with getting to chat with, like, Austin Wintry and David Gator um, in the process of making it. That was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so fun and, and rewarding to be able to to do that and have essentially the, the definitive Stray Gods analysis on YouTube. Because, <laughs> we got um, in there early. We got there early and no one's going to take our crown. Yeah. Um, I'm really proud of the Spider-Man uh, one, the symbiote, I think came yeah. together really, really well and being able to just weave through like, here are the iterations of the symbiote story that exist in um in spider-man media essentially um you know since the original um for the same reason that i really like the the uncharted one where i just get to go through all the games and it's like this is everything here Mm -hmm. it is um there there are ones where we go through and take a very specific angle on stuff like you know the god of war one and the doctor strange one and the uh the various zelda ones where we're taking a big thing and narrowing into to one aspect of what makes it work and those are really cool to kind of like dive in specifically um it's fun to juxtapose that with these grand looks at a whole thing you know like the superheroes in empty worlds is an entire literary concept in comic books um and the multiverse problem for a very similar reason um i know i said i i I like the uncharted one as as my my pick of the year uh in the year-end wrap-up podcast i think that's probably my like my my in here kind of emotional favorite but in terms of what i think probably represents my overall best detail diatribe, um, I'd have to probably give it to the symbiote one just because mm. it, it's so, so fun to look through edgy little Peter Parker. <laughs> Big month for the symbiote and OSP. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Really seriously. giving it its time. Uh, well, this next question comes from the Viatorum. To all, with the recent wave of YouTubers retiring, I began to wonder if there has ever been a situation that's made the OSP team or member of the team consider the idea of stepping down. So Never. Is it as- yeah, <laughs> literally no. I think we talked about this on stream a little bit, but yeah, I think we're all pretty locked in for now. Yeah. Yeah, we like we, what we do, and we do what we like. We talked about this at greater length in the third um, Spider-Man stream because we we talked about the uh, the Matt Pet retirement, which I think hit mm-hmm. people the hardest um, mm-hmm. on the platform. I think yeah, the, he the was first. Yeah, the first big one um, was Tom Scott at the beginning of the year. Seth Everman had retired uh, at the end of last year as well, um, and he was was very popular in the kind of like music um, mm. space on YouTube. But um, Tom Scott kicked off kind of a wave of, of other people thinking yeah, wait a minute, and then it kind of culminated, uh, even though there will surely be more after. I think the big one is, like, MatPat leaving Game Theory. Mm-hmm. like, <gasps> yeah. um, uh, That was because, I mean, he had been around forever. A lot of these people had, um, mm-hmm. but MatPat was an institution uh, yeah. for huge channels um, with, like, you know, 30 million subscribers between them, um, billions and billions of views in total across those four channels. Um but for us, the reasons why a lot of people have been making the choice to retire don't necessarily apply. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there's obviously a lot more detail to go into with that statement. But um, a lot <laughs> of people who've retired have felt like they've been doing the same thing for a very long time. It's been a lot. It's tiring. They want to try something else. Um, and give themselves the space to do something different because none of them are just fucking off into the sunset. They're doing other things that yeah. excite them. They're just not doing the same a million videos a day all the time forever uh, that they've been doing. And I, I think I, I read all. I, I don't want to <laughs> just uh, monopolize this whole question, but part of the the joy and the the benefit of the way we've constructed OSP is that there are two of us, which takes a lot of the pressure off, yeah, and sure. we have a lot more 
versatility in what kinds of videos we can make. Mm -hmm. And that allows us to transition, evolve what we do organically over a long span of time and not feel like we've been making the same video for 10 years straight. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's this interesting principle in art, which is that like, it's easy to look back at your art and be like, I, you know, I would have made this better now. But like, sometimes you look back and you're like, I couldn't have made this specific thing with who I am as a person now. Like, you know, yeah. I, I've grown and changed. And that means that like the, the mechanical quality of what I do is better and faster now. But like, I'm in a different place than I was back then. Like I tell different jokes now. I, yeah. you know, I have to remind myself to put in more comedy because like when I started off the channel, it was just like rapid fire, nonstop, just like bits and quips. And uh, that's, I don't know, I, I write differently now. And so I look back and I get like kind of pleasantly surprised or I'm like, oh, I should, I should try to be funnier in my current stuff too, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Um, but I think we've been very careful in pacing out how we work on the channel to kind of make sure that we are at all times doing something we enjoy and the degree to which it is, you know, draining in the sense that all all things are, are work, you know, everything you do will yeah. drain you somewhat. We, we want to make sure that, like, it never builds up into burnout. It never becomes like, oh, I have to get out of video because, like, you know, or, or like we need to take this sponsorship because, y yeah. you know, there... For for a number of reasons, we're in a pretty good place where it's like like we can take the first half of January off and That's like fine. the channel, the algorithm doesn't kill us. Uh, neither of us are like in a bad financial spot for that kind of thing to work. And I think we were pretty pretty careful to try and make sure that we were at no point desperate when we were doing yeah. this. Like like never hinging our livelihood on like the success or failure of like one video or like one one sponsorship or like a, a certain density of videos. You know, X number yeah. of uploads per month. Uh, and the end result is that, like, we'll, we'll still sometimes, like, push ourselves a little bit unhealthily or it's like, I really want to get this done in time. But, like, if need be, like, we can we can step back and we can do other things. Yeah. Uh, and if we wanted to be doing something different, we'd be doing something different. Like, I've been sort of, like, this is not at all, like, oh, I've, I've been thinking of leaving. But I've been thinking of, like, taking more, like, time to travel and stuff like that. And I've been trying to figure out ways where I can do that without impeding my ability mm. to do the, these things. Because I like doing these things. But if you sit down and just do one thing over and over again, it can sort of be easy to forget why you chose to do it in the first place. You can sort of, you know, when, when I started doing all my various creative projects, I was in school and I was like squeezing them in the cracks between this incredibly yeah. rigid, very stressful, structured environment. And now that I'm out of that, sometimes I have to be like, I need to like put myself back in the headspace of like, why, when I started writing this, why was I writing it? Like what, what? What itch was it scratching? And, like, do I need to do anything to, like, change the arrangement of my life to get back a well of creativity that I maybe have sort of allowed to dry up or something like that? You know, these are considerations that it's important to keep in mind. But, like, we're not burning ourselves out doing this. No. And if we need to take more time, we will. Like, you'll we be the will. first to know. But, like, we, we will take time if we need it. And yeah. we're not planning on, like quitting or like if we want to do other stuff we do that on top of what we're doing yeah you know? we do that we we do do other stuff it's just it's aside from channel time red uh -huh. has aurora i have other things i'll announce later in the year <laughs> um but I, I i think we've structured osp in a way where our our guiding principles like slow and steady growth we don't need to have our videos be going viral we don't want to be the most popular channel you know God, in, no, in the, the youtube stress. space that's a lot of stress that's a lot of pressure a lot of focus that, yeah um there are channels that are teams and teams and teams of people working to make fantastic quality entertainment products that is hugely stressful because then you're not only trying to focus on what's good for you you have a lot of employees to look after and the performance mm -hmm. of video determines how that can continue for for us yeah. it's the people making the videos are just red and I. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't like if 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 I want to do something different, I don't I don't have to really worry about how that you know affects a production pipeline's worth of people. I can just mm -hmm. go and do something stupid and different like talking about linguistics. I can be flexible and, and have a, uh, a a different concept of, of a video idea and and let that creativity guide me. And we're not managing more things than we can realistically hold on to if we were doing like every video has a sponsorship yeah we could make bank but we'd probably lose our minds because that's mm -hmm. a lot of extra stress yeah because then and you, also you it's a worse to... audience experience so we don't do it that's it you also have to like coordinate back and forth it adds a lot of time and pressure yeah and it means you can't be like i don't think this is working let me try something else like bump this down the pipeline as yeah. soon as you like tie yourself down to other stuff it dramatically reduces 
your own freedom of movement, which I think was very important for us. Because, like, the fact that you can do YouTube as a job is still insane to me. Uh, and, like, we're extremely lucky. But, like, I don't think we ever tried to, like, get on the grind set of, like, we got to min-max yeah, no. this. We got to make this no. work for us. It's, like, <laughs> the fact that I can't, like, the fact that I have an outlet for things I would be doing anyway, and it finds an audience that likes it consistently, and that's a job, is just, like, we're, we're really lucky. It's very serendipitous, yeah. but we haven't been trying to compromise, you know, our own happiness in the process of that. Like, this is my favorite thing uh, about, like, being an artist is that, like, I, I don't remember who said this in the first place, but it's like the only, uh, I, I hate art. The only thing worse than making it would be not making it. And it's like, that, that kind of <laughs> do be how it is, though. It's like, the process of making it is stressful. And I constantly ride that sine wave between, like, I'm a shining golden god, and I will never have another good idea again, and I'm a talentless hack, and then I, oh, I fixed yeah. the problem. I'm a shining golden god again. Like, it's it's a nightmare, but it's yeah. my nightmare. Uh, we, we've also had a lot of time to figure this out. We've been doing this for a while, and we've true. had a long time to ramp up to the level of doing this as a full-time job that we do where at first you know red like you said we're squeezing this out of cracks in our spare time mm -hmm. i'm essentially taking you know course lectures that i heard and hastily converting those into my first you know dozen or so youtube videos <laughs> and it shows but eventually i got better you know yada 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 um we've had a lot of time to figure out how to do this in a way that is comfortable for us mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who, you know, for instance, to make everyone feel old all at once, who started making YouTube videos in the pandemic because they got furloughed or laid off from their jobs. Right. And this will be their fourth year of making videos. Mm, <laughs> it's yep. been a while. But a lot of the people who just kind of like thrust themselves into it and were lucky enough to, uh, lucky enough and good enough to be like, oh, suddenly this is my full time job. There are no resources explaining how to do that full time. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is flying by the seat of your pants and just figuring it out as you go. And it is hard to just suddenly impose a work ethic and a sense of discipline on yourself that can maintain through periods of, you know, intense creativity and enthusiasm and inspiration and then carry on for when you're feeling a little bit under it and you yeah. don't necessarily know what to do you don't have the same sense of drive that's hitting you right that minute and maintaining a discipline to get you back to a moment where you will feel inspired and determined and yada 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 for a lot of people who have not been in the game long enough to know how to handle the ups and downs of being in a creative profession the first like big downswing can just yeah. completely knock out a channel and it's heartbreaking to see that happen in the cases where it does happen so mm -hmm. um we are lucky enough to have been doing this for such a long time that we've been through a lot of these kinds of motions and are now in the space where we can say hey there's a lot of stuff that we would have done a couple years back out of a sense of necessity we don't have to do those things anymore. We don't have to take sponsors. We don't need to, to do every little business opportunity that comes our way. Not that we even really did every little business opportunity that came no. our way beforehand, but we're able to, you know, this year focus on like just making good ass videos that we love. Done. That's think, the point. <laughs> I think when you said comfortable, that was like the, the kind of key word in that, because the whole time we've been doing this, we've been trying to do it in such a way that it, it does not become uncomfortable for us to yeah. make the channel, whatever that means. Uh, so we're, we're pretty well situated and we're nice and cozy. So no, we've never been like, ah, oh, someone on Twitter was mean to me. I'm throwing it all away and going to live in the woods. Get my yeah. Tonto. <laughs> <laughs> the TLDR is OSP's not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, so while it's very understandable, people might yeah. be asking this of all of their favorite creators with the recent string of, uh, folks retiring for whatever the reason may be. OSP's official stance is we're not going anywhere anytime soon. You're stuck with us. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned uh, for, uh, for more yeah. publications. <laughs> yeah. News to come. Uh, but this next question comes from Dastard Blastar. To all, I need more OSP space content, so I'll make it myself. What is your favorite of our solar system's planets, and which would you most like to visit if it's not the same answer? Assume impervious protective gear and light speed yeah. travel. So in a world where you can visit any planet, which one would you like to visit, and which is your favorite? Not the answer to the question. Jupiter. Jupiter, yeah. 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 I mean, then you get all the moons, too. Some of sure. those are, like, Which nearly Earth-sized. Yeah. All of, uh, all of <laughs> Zeus's mistresses. <laughs> um, I once was at uh, Cape Canaveral uh, in Florida with my dad at, like, a, like a NASA, kind of like, oh, come see, like, rockets and shit. And it was very cool. Um, and there was an astronaut whose name I forget um, who was giving a talk about 
being an astronaut, cool stuff. Um, and he was taking questions from the audience and little like nine year old me raised my hand, like if you could go anywhere in the universe, where would you go? And he said, because of how almost in reach it is, I would really want to be able to go to Mars because mm. it is the next logical place that humans would go to in the solar system and in the universe beyond. There's so much that we don't know about it. There's so much we could learn by sending someone there, but we already have a good idea of what that kind of environment is like. So being able to actually go there and see it would be really cool. And I was like, hell yeah. And my dad was like, that was the best question uh, that anyone asked because you could tell he was really excited to answer it compared to a lot of the Aww. other questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, as for me... Um, I feel like the moon would be pretty cool. Not a planet. Yeah. No, yeah, well, the moon mm, is not a planet. Fine. The question asked We're planet. We're kind of a binary <laughs> planet system, but like, fine. you know, by definition, it's a moon. <laughs> I, I have to insist um, on the parameters placed on us by <laughs> the question's wording. <laughs> Saturn. I want to see the rings from from planet Great side because in all those like science sci-fi drawings in the eighties, yeah. it's like you're on a planet, you see just gigantic rings like a permanent mm. rainbow around you in the sky. I know it doesn't actually look like that from surface level, well, but I want might. to believe. The, there's no reason True. why it wouldn't. Like the obviously they're they're composed of like you know rocks and space dust and stuff like that. But you know we're pretty far away from it but it's not like being on the surface of the planet you're going to be crazy close to the rings in orbit yeah, around it like we're not that close to the moon um true. i also uh favorite wise pluto fight me it yeah. counts. i was gonna say pluto <laughs> yeah <laughs> osp the ospod crew respects the sanctity of pluto <laughs> you bitch ass scientists get on our level <laughs> ohana means family pluto's <laughs> one of us <laughs> It's got a heart crater, you monsters, to call it not a planet. <laughs> it's just been circling the sun, loving the universe around it, and it you... just wants to hang. Oh, how dare you? How dare you? <laughs> um, I, because she is my favorite of the Sailor Scouts, or at least the original five, Mercury is the planet that I am most uh, attached to in the planet system solar system that we live in but uh, also i think it'd be tight to go there because the sun would be like bigger i think if you were yes. standing on it and i think it could be neat to look at a bigger sun uh, in a similar vein too it could be neat to look at the rings around a planet just like big guy pretty tight so mm. i'm gonna go with mercury for visit yeah. and favorite yeah, that's fair. but also that's viva fair. la pluto yeah. yeah also a cool sailor scout also a cool sailor scout i mean look they're all cool sailor scouts <laughs> i mean you're very, i like you're mercury's true, yeah. little visor i can't take that from her it's pretty tight um, but we got time for one last question here today before we, yeah, we sign on off. Yeah, one in these. Yeah, it's an all-time record for fewest questions answered. <laughs> I we think maybe we have an episode where there's one. like three yeah. questions answered. So at least lightning, the lightning round did uh, in, inhabit that a little Fair bit. Um, mm. This comes from Marmalade Mouse to Blue and Indigo. If Ziggy and Cleo were human, what TV shows, books, movies, etc. do you think they would really like and dislike? Oh, so, uh, for example, huh. they think their cat would be really into Miss Marple. So what media do you think Cleo would like? And Red, please feel free to answer for either of these. Uh, and what do I think Ziggy um. would like? Cleo really likes to watch cat TV. Cyan will sometimes take the iPad and just put on like a live stream of like squirrels in a little garden and Cleo mm -hmm. will just sit there and raptured by it. So she would love like our planet, you know, planet yeah, Earth, National Geographic like, kind oh. of stuff. Yeah. I, I was taking David that Edinburgh. in a slightly meaner direction. Cleo would love late stage MCU because it's all the same and you're never surprised. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's just pretty lights and colors and... Ziggy also likes cat TV, but more importantly, um, Ziggy, if I'm playing Baldur's Gate, will like attack the squirrels and stuff that are on screen. So I don't know that she has any, like they've reached a level of the uncanny valley where my cat can't tell what is a real and what is a digital squirrel. But I have a, a real answer for this because <laughs> I know for a fact that Ziggy does have a favorite TV show because there's one thing that if I'm watching it, she will pay more attention to it and sit and watch it longer than anything else. And that's The Simpsons. Ziggy is a huge <sighs> Simpsons fan. I don't know Aww. what it is about that funky yellow family, but like <laughs> if I am watching it, because a while ago I was going through from the beginning seasons because I'd never really seen it in order. I'd just seen scattered episodes. I'm like, oh, let's see like what's this early stuff about. And my boyfriend's a huge Simpsons fan. And uh, as I was watching it, like that is the single show that over everything else, she will sit and watch for the longest period of time, staring oh. at the screen, like wrapped with attention about this. <laughs> I don't know. Hilarious. what they have done to the early seasons of that show to make it like catnip to her but my cat has taste Ziggy has taste like Ziggy I don't would know be what like to a, say. 
That kind of feels like she'd be a telenovela cat in the broad scale of like five million seasons. Finally, uh, someone to watch Desperate Housewives with. (laughs) Red, remember when we were in a cafe uh, one time last time we were we were hanging out Mm -hmm. together, and like the spinoff to Days of Our Lives came on. We were like, "How many episodes does this have?" Like several thousand. Mm -hmm. It was like Mm -hmm. if we started watching all of these right now, we would die before we caught up. It's crazy (laughs) to see something that's basically like the the entire lifetime career of a specific actor, Mm -hmm. their entire job from like age 20 to age like 55 is playing this one character for like 30 seasons of television. It's a kind of job security you don't get in a lot of other acting and arts related sectors. I can't tell you. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Acting job security kind of feels like it's zero or a hundred with nothing in between. It's like either we, we, we've digitally captured your likeness and are going to use an AI Ugh. puppet of your body long after you're dead. Or it's like, congratulations, this is the only thing you get to do from now till forever, five days a week. Which sounds like a special circle of hell, but, you know, enough people choose it, so I guess it's okay. <laughs> but also, those actors are crazy talented because they get to mm-hmm. read the script, like, for 30 seconds, and it's like, all right, do one take and this is it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Off they go. <laughs> Factory production line. We don't have time to fuck around. Yeah. As soon as we started talking about her, Ziggy entered the room. And so while I try and wrangle this cat, um, we have come up on time for the podcast. And unlike the telenovelas of the world, um, you can accomplish listening to the ending of this podcast in your lifetime, assuming that Red can accomplish saying the outro of this podcast. So Red, if you would please. Well, we've had two wild cards so far going completely off script for the intro of the, each section. Be the bad boy of the pod. <laughs> I think the true bad boy thing would be to actually follow the rules for a change. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We will be back in two weeks with another episode, this time with a guest. Tune in for our Valentine's Day special featuring Cyan. I call it Three Aces in the Hand. We also will have <laughs> Three Aces have the- and a Joker. Yeah, we also have the After After Show show, which we will be recording right now. If you're a patron, hop on over there for another 30 to 40 minutes of formless dicking around. I think that is everything we needed to cover. So until next time, I've been Red. I've been Blue, and we are never quitting. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back on February 7th with another thrilling installment with special guest Cyan for our Three Aces and a Joker episode. If you miss us in the meantime, be sure to check out Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube. If you've got a question for Cyan or any of us on the pod, head over to Ask OS Pod on Discord for a chance to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron for even more exclusive benefits. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next episode. <laughs>